Turn over to Proverbs, if you haven't already. So last week, um, we started looking at uh, the topic of our speech, the words that we use, and of course last week we looked at uh, the destructive use of speech, um, the negative sides of it, um, things like lying, flattery, gossip, and cursing. Those are some of the the categories that we looked at. Um, And we ended last week looking at at James and what he says regarding uh, the taming of the tongue. And, uh, you know, there is a lot of danger um, that comes with the misuse of our speech. Um, James says it's a fire. It has great power. But there's also a lot of good that can be done through our speech. Um, Proverbs 15, verse 4 says, A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. So the first part of that, a gentle tongue is a tree of life, shows us that there can be good that comes from our speech. And so this week uh, we're going to look at uh, constructive use of speech. Um, and the, uh, the first category I want to look at in terms of our, our speech is good words, using good words. Um, look at Proverbs 10. There's a couple different ones here. Proverbs 10, verse 11 says, The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. And then on the negative side, But the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. And if you jump down to verse 20, The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is of little worth. And then the next verse The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of sense. So good words, words of the righteous, they are a fountain of life, they are as precious as silver, and they are able to uh, feed many. Now, of course, we're not talking physical nourishment, but we're talking about the word, right? If If we are speaking good words then um, we are able to lift the spirit up. We're able to um, build up one another. And of course, the word itself, God's word itself, um, is the ultimate word of righteousness, right? That's, that is righteous words in and of itself. So speaking those words, um, if you were just to speak the Bible in a conversation with someone, um, what power, obviously, that would have, but also that's... There's nothing that can be brought against you in terms of, um, you know, the negativity that's coming from your mouth. Obviously, we don't go every day and just use the words from the Bible and, and put it all together. Um, a, a preacher that I knew was Sarah's preacher growing up. Um, he um, ended up leaving the congregation after some folks were not happy with his style of preaching, apparently. And somebody had left a book on his desk saying, I think it was titled, How, How to Preach Better or something like that. <laughs> uh, very passive-aggressive, obviously, uh, anonymous in nature. Um, and the, the complaint was, he uses too much scripture. 
there's too much scripture in the sermons. We're always flipping through the Bibles. We're always finding more scriptures. So his very last sermon, he put in his notice, and his very last sermon, every single word of it was scripture. I don't know how he did it, and I would love to have gotten a copy of this, but every word, every sentence of it was scripture. Um, And I don't think he laid it out that way. You know, he didn't put up slides and said, here's the scripture, here's the scripture. He just presented the sermon. And then afterwards, I think he said, every word of that was scripture. Um, Because that's good words, right? Proverbs 16, 24 talks about uh, another constructive use of of speech, and that's gracious words. It talks about gracious words being like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul, health to the body. Um, You know, these are all important things, of course, in our interactions with other people in life, is being gracious in our talk. Uh, Proverbs 12, 25, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Comforting words, right? When people are anxious, when people are depressed, words of comfort can build them up, it can lift them up can make their hearts glad. So good words, this type of speech, it reveals the good heart of the speaker, right? If we're, if we're treating people and talking to people in these ways with gracious words, with words of, of righteousness, with comforting words, that, indicate, that shows our heart. Of course, if we're doing it with the right heart and we're not doing it just to be noticed, you know, there's, there's the difference there. But if we are comforting and if that's just how we are, People will recognize us by that. Another category uh, that I want to look at tonight uh, is uh, timeliness, the timeliness of our words. Uh, Proverbs 15, verse 23. To make an apt answer is a joy to a man, and a word in season, how good it is. (coughs) Keep your finger... In 15, and flip over to uh, chapter 25 real quick. Chapter 25, verse 11. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Timely words, well-timed things that we say to people. Those are... I can't tell you how many times in my life that I needed someone to say something, didn't know what it was, but as soon as they said it, it's like, I needed to hear that. You ever felt that way? Where you just had a bad week, uh, you've, you know, you're struggling with something, and somebody says something, maybe it's something uh, that you see on Facebook, or it's on TV, or maybe it's something you hear from the pulpit, and you think, I really needed to hear that today. Those are well-timed words. You're still in 15. Look at verse 28. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. So not only are well-timed words important, another important part of it is well-thought-out words. Think about what you're going to say before you say it. Especially when it comes to questions and Uh, pertaining to Scripture and righteousness, um, the Word needs to be studied carefully. We need to know how best to answer. We need to think about it 
before we just throw something out there. Um, But timing our speech, um, you know, being that comfort, giving those words of grace in times of need at the right time, thinking about what we're going to say so that maybe we don't offend, but perhaps we build up instead. Because sometimes words that we intend to be uplifting can sometimes bring someone down. And sometimes that's because we didn't really think it through. We didn't think about hearing those words maybe from that person's perspective. Um, And that, all of those things combined, can show uh, the wisdom of the speaker. Um, And that's obviously an important characteristic as well, especially as we're looking at Proverbs uh, and wisdom. The last category uh, that I want to look at tonight is controlled words. Um, controlling our speech, taming the tongue, controlling the tongue. Um, If you're still in 15, look at verses 1 through 2. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. So the first verse there, a soft answer... uh, turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Let me just be open and honest here. This is probably one of the most important things I think I need to learn as a parent. You see, I didn't really grow up in a house where soft words were what accompanied things that I did wrong. Right? It was harsh words, harsh punishment, and go to your room. I don't want to see you. I don't want to hear... I'm angry, right? And that's kind of what's influenced my parenting in some ways. And so uh, Lincoln has really opened our eyes to this because if you show any inkling of anger or frustration, he will not listen. He shuts down. He doesn't listen at all. Uh, And so we have to come at it at a different angle. We have to think about our speech. We have to talk a little bit softer, try to. It's very frustrating with a toddler who's very strong, strong-minded. Um, but even now, as Caleb has gotten older, we see a lot of his reaction to things being that hot-headed, quick-to-have-strong-words reaction. And that's a failure on my part. And so, you know, this verse here, when it talks about, you know, being a soft answer turns away wrath, the harsh word stirs up anger, there's a... Uh, quote that Sarah has written on the fridge uh, in our house. It says, um, your words or your voice becomes your child's inner voice. Oh, that's what it is. How you speak to your child becomes their inner voice. Think about that. Think about your childhood growing up. Think about the words of your parents and how they spoke to you and how that has formed your inner voice. And so that really makes me stop and think, and it's a good reminder to think about how we speak to one another, whether it's a child or whether it's just people in general. Uh, If something comes up, let's say it's just a political topic that we have differing opinions about, how we talk to one another about that, the tone of voice that we use. Are we using soft words or are we more combative in our speech? And how does the other person react to that? When you use strong tones, strong language, what does the other person automatically go to? Strong tones, strong language, right? And so when I mean strong language, I'm not talking about swearing necessarily, just, in, you know, firm in how we're, we're speaking to one another. 
And that's what the proverb is talking about. Um, you know, when you are, are gentle and, and you mind your words and control your words, um, things can, can go a lot better uh, in that conversation. Look back a couple chapters at Proverbs 13. Uh, verses 2 through 3. From the fruit of his mouth a man eats what is good, but the desire of the treacherous is for violence. Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. Uh, and then uh, chapter 21, verse 23. Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. So those three scriptures uh, from, from uh, 13, 15, and 21, there is benefit for controlling your speech for the one who is speaking. Right? It benefits you to tame your tongue and to control the words that are coming out. Uh, it says preserve the life of the one who guards his mouth. It diffuses uh, potentially volatile situations, um, even if it's just a conversation over the Thanksgiving table about politics. A gentle voice, a soft word could help maybe diffuse it, especially if both parties use (laughs) the same wisdom. Um, But ultimately, it keeps your soul from trouble. Um, In controlled words, um, they reveal true knowledge and understanding. Look at um, Proverbs 17, verses uh, 27 and 28, the last verses there. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. So by sparing words and having a calm spirit, you know, not throwing out as much information as you can to overwhelm the other person, but sparing your words um, can be a benefit. Even a fool can do this, it says. Even a fool can benefit from this. But we're talking about being wise, right? We don't want to be foolish in, sense, in the sense of what, we, what we've been talking about here in Proverbs, because again, we have the way of, the fool, the way of folly, the way of the, way of the, the righteous. Um, or the way of the wise and the way of folly, that's what it is. Um, but the ha- talking in this way, um, it, it enhances the reputation of the speaker. It, it lends more power of influence um, to their words. When you are concise with what you're saying, and you do so with grace uh, and control, um, I'm reminded there's a show that I, I watch. It's called um, The Good Place. I don't know if you've seen it or not, but uh, it's a comedy on NBC. Um, basically, this weird take on at the afterlife, uh, that there's a good place and there's a bad place, and for some reason there's some in-between place as well. It's, just, it's weird, but it's, it's pretty humorous, especially from a Christian perspective. Like, that is not it at all, but whatever. Um, uh, but uh, there's one character in the show who is... Uh, supposed to be this Tibetan monk or something like that. But, and spoiler alert, if you haven't watched the show or you plan to watch the show, he's not a Tibetan monk. He's like some skater dude from Florida who was wrongly like 
put in this place as this Tibetan monk guy. And so he's having to go around to keep, this, keep up this facade of being in the good place because he's a good Tibetan monk. He just goes by and he just keeps his mouth shut, even though he has really stupid things to say because he's this dumb gangster from Florida. Um, but like one of the people asked him a question, like this deep philosophical question. He just looked at him and he just went. And the other guy goes, wow. <laughs> even a fool even a fool can do this, can be quiet and be considered wise. Sometimes nothing needs to be said. Um, of course, other times there are things that need to be said, but choosing your words wisely. So from Proverbs, um, we have learned that, the value, uh, that there's value in being careful with our speech. Um, we need to avoid um, harming ourselves and others with, with the words that we use, but instead doing good with, with our words to ourselves and to others. Um, and this can, help, this can help us appreciate, really, why Paul was so concerned about Christians and their words. So again, tonight we're going to end in the uh, New Testament, Colossians chapter 4, verse 6. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Right? That just took everything we talked about tonight and lumped it into one sentence. And you're probably thinking, why didn't you just do that? You just talked about being short of words and being concise, Derek. Ephesians 4, verse 29, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Ephesians 4, 29. Our speech and how we present ourselves, how we present the Word, um, it really has a, a very big impact. Um, you know, it's talked about a lot throughout the New Testament about how we are to talk. Um, you know, we talked last night about James uh, and all that as well. Um, and it can't be it can't be talked about enough. You know, in the world that we live in today, um, you know, there are we we all talk about cursing and and having a foul mouth and all those types of things. That's not a good thing for a Christian to. To do it's it's perverse language. It's things that we should not have within our vocabulary. We are surrounded by people who have that in their vocabulary a lot of times, um, but how we present ourselves as Christians um, is not just in whether or not we swear or not, but in how we speak to one another, how we carry ourselves, even if it's just the smallest conversation about a local sporting team. The Bengals are not the greatest football team in the world. The Reds are not the greatest baseball team in the world. And sometimes watching a Reds game, yesterday I turned on, I think it was the first Reds game I actually have watched this season. And I had to watch it because I was getting my hair cut at sports clips and it was on the TV and the girl didn't know whether or not they had the the Cleveland channel because I wanted to watch the Indians. So I had to watch the Reds. And I'm sorry because as soon as I started watching, they gave up four runs in the eighth inning. And the guy behind me is cussing up a storm. These stupid reds, blah, blah, blah. It's just a game. But as we, if we as Christians are taking that approach and taking things beyond where they need to be, what are we doing with our influence? Are we really shining our light in the proper way? Um, things to consider. Of course, uh, in all things, um, you know, we want to offer up the opportunity uh, tonight for uh, an invitation
Um, if we can assist you with anything, uh, prayer or study, um, of course, the uh, opportunity for baptism as well. If you uh, desire to be baptized tonight, um, now is the time that you can come while we stand and sing. <laughs>